0: Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to him. Now, here's today's sermon. Lord, would you speak to us tonight? Would you speak through your word? Would you uh, comfort souls that need comforting? Souls, individuals, individuals people that have walked in here with so much going on, so much baggage, so much disappointment, so much hurt, and would you comfort that person? Would you just fill them with your peace and with your grace and with your love? Would you... Meet them in a way that they've never been met before because you are God of the universe, because you are God greater than anyone else or any other thing, anything that we could ever turn to for peace and for freedom from things. You provide the greatest peace and the greatest freedom. And so, Lord, would you, would you give that to us tonight? Would you also challenge us to see your word and what it calls us to and, and how it challenges us and, and, and how it, 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 there's a cost that we would give our lives to you, that we would give everything that we are to you. And so, Lord, would we see that? Would we receive that? Would we respond to that? And would we give our lives to you, Lord? You are so good. Would you speak to us tonight? Speak to us, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to jump into the book of Philippians, and uh, like I said, verse by verse, so we're starting with verse 1, and there's a lot that happens in this book, and so in fact, we're actually doing five mini-sermon series five mini-sermon series, and uh, each one is about two weeks long, so they're really short, uh, because there's a bunch of topics that Paul talks about in this book that I want us to see, and so uh, just to rattle off a few, I'm not going to hit on all of them, well, there's, there's only five major topics, but um, a few things that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at what unity looks like. What should unity amongst our gathering, amongst Christianity, look like? Um, getting along, what does that look like? Paul talks about that. Paul talks about obedience. He addresses. The legalistic side, where you just follow rules for the sake of following rules, but then he also addresses how obedience should look like and and what it should look like, and and actually not only that we should follow the rules, but there's something about our hearts that we should want to follow the rules. And so he's going to be talking about what it looks like to live a holy life, not because you're called, not just because uh, for the sake of living a holy life, but because you want to, because there's a desire to. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about legalism, obedience, the wanting to. We're gonna talk about salvation. That's a fun, touchy topic. How is somebody saved? How does one become saved? What does it mean to be saved? We're gonna talk about our attitudes, applying scripture, going through hardships. There's so many different things that Philippians talks about. But I don't want to jump right into those because I don't think Paul does quite yet. I want to address what many of us skim over the first two verses. Paul kind of sets the stage before going into any of those major topics. He wants to be upfront about what Christianity is. He wants you, he wants the readers to know, hey, before you get into uh, the all these different things about Christianity, let me just set the stage, be upfront, be completely honest about what Christianity is. And he does that in his intro. I uh, give you a little analogy. Okay, picture it like this. I went with. Uh, my family, I think it was last year to Arkansas, my wife, and uh, we went ziplining. And there is a course, a zipline course in Arkansas, where one of the, you, you go from like treetop to treetop, ziplining from, uh, from these different trees. And, uh, and one of the points, from point A to point B, one of them is uh, just under 300 feet high. So you are a few hundred feet up in the air, and you're sliding down a cable with just this like uh, metal latch that is hooped around it, and you slide down at 300 feet up in the air, and you're just uh, you're hanging. And uh, t- if you know me, I'm terrified to even crawl up a ladder four rungs high. So um, I am I get paralyzed, I get crippled, and I just I I just don't even know what to do with myself. Uh, 10 feet off the ground, let alone 300 feet up, free hanging. And um, so we go up there, we climb, we get all the way up there to the top of this, like, treehouse to slide down, and uh, I was very very serious about listening to what that guy had to say before I went sliding down that. I wanted to hear every instruction he gave, every precursor he gave, every introduction that he wanted to give that he felt necessary to say before saying everything else or before I slide down that zip line. I wanted to hear everything out of that instructor's mouth before I went free hanging down this zip line. Well, Paul gives us an introduction before the zip line of information that is the book of Philippians. He, tell, he just says two sentences, two simple verses, um, but that are so important and they're the precursors to before we jump off and we start talking about all those incredible things that I just rattled off. Unity, obedience, salvation. Before we go through that zip line... <laughs> He has an introductory thing just to say, I want you to know what you're about to jump into. I want you to know upfront what Christianity is. And so um, that's Paul's introduction. Let me just read it. And so you can follow along if you have the journals or you can follow along on the screen uh, if you don't. This is what he says. Verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. With the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's read something like that a million times before as you open up your Bible? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you just fly through it because you've heard it a million times. Don't ignore the zipline instructor and the important things he has to say before you jump on that zipline. There's so many good things on that zipline, but don't miss what he has to say before you do. I do the same thing, so I, I completely understand, but it's important. And I want to start, actually, so um, underline the word all, or circle it, or, or just write it down if you're taking notes, but the word all, this is important, okay, because, because Paul isn't just talking to me as your pastor. He's not just talking to the overseers of the church. He's not just talking to the deacons. He's not just talking to the church officials to say, hey, teach this to your congregation. He's saying, hey, congregant. Hey, church member, hey, attender, I want you to read this. Yes, talk about it on Sunday morning. Yes, have this preached in your church. But to all the saints, I'm writing to all of you. And so Paul, as he writes to all the saints of Philippi, I believe he's also writing to all the saints. And so Paul is writing to you, not just that I would preach to you this information. Some, some people actually believe that's the way it should be, that the, the church is to receive the revelation from God in the Bible, and the only way you can understand it is if I teach it to you the way that I understand it. And that's not true. That's not true. You are to read the Bible for yourselves. You're to understand it. You're to interpret it. You're to wrestle with it and understand it. And so he says, to all the saints, not just the overseers, not just the deacons, not just the church leaders, not just the preachers, but to all people. And so what is... What does Paul want all the people in Philippi to know before reading the rest of the letter? What introductory remarks does Paul have for all of us? All of us. And I think there's two major things that he's trying to say in these two sentences. Two major points that Paul has as an introductory remark about what Christianity is. Two things he really wants to say. And the first one is that Christianity comes with a great cost. Paul wants them to know that. Christianity is not just a, yeah, I guess I kind of will be, Some, yeah, sure, sign me up. No, he wants to say, Christianity, know what you're signing up for. Christianity will take your life. Christianity must be your everything. Christianity will be your focus if Christianity is anything in your life. Christianity, Christ, God, he demands everything. And so know what you're signing up for. Christianity comes with a cost. And so if you go back to the text, and if you have your journals, circle that. Servants of Christ Jesus. Paul says at the very beginning, Paul and Timothy, and I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you what my title is here. The description behind my name, I'm a servant of Christ. Just straight up, I want you to know that. Paul, Paul feels the need to tell that to all the saints. I am, and if you want to be a Christian too, you will be, a servant of Christ. Christianity comes with a cost. And it's becoming a slave. This is the same word as slave. It's become a slave to God. My life is yours, God. My everything is yours, God. <sighs> Paul wants them to know that there is a cost that comes with Christianity. Did you know? I'm talking to you guys. Did you know that when you become a Christian, your body isn't even yours anymore? Your body belongs to God. Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to God. That's how serious God takes this relationship thing, the God and subordinate, me and you, relationship. He says, if you want to sign on to this relationship, I want you to know I own you. That, that's, that's the reality of it. Your body is not your own if you are a Christian. Christianity comes with a cost, and it's giving your life over to God, and everything that that would entail, what he wants for you, is now your number one concern. Read this in 1 Corinthians chapter six. Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So he's saying, don't do anything evil. Particularly, don't be uh, sexually immoral. Why? He says, you are not your own. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. This whole slave to God, servant to God. He says, you are not your own. Don't do with your body what you just feel like doing. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We don't don't always think about this, right? We don't always think about that. That in Christianity, your body is not your own. We must act the way that he wants us to act, not the way that we feel like acting, not the way that we want to act, but we now must act the way God wants us to act. That should be our greatest concern. When we go against him and we do what we want to do with our body, he's saying, hey, don't do that. That's, I don't want that. And don't do that with my body. Don't do that with my body. That is my body. Don't you do that. I don't want that. And we... As his servants, as we lay our lives down underneath God and call him God, and us servant, us slave, we would want to do what he wants And with our lives. Our lives are his. It comes with a cost. Christianity is accepting that your life is not your own. And, you know, I can think about this in a few different lights. I was trying to think about how this might be paralleled in other ways. Um, and marriage is one. Marriage is a hard one. You're signing up for a lot, to be honest. Um, when I think about the sacrifice that marriage requires of me, okay, um, and I know many of you guys aren't married, my leaders, I got, I got one leader that is, um, marriage requires a lot. Whenever I want to, uh, and honestly, it just becomes so practical. Let me just be so uh, surface-level practical for a second. There's a lot of mornings where I just want to do my own thing, and I don't feel like making the bed, though I know Sarah would really appreciate it when she gets home and she sees the bed made. Um, I really don't want to clean those dirty dishes in the sink as they're piling up, and I'm like, (gasps) I've got so many other things I want to do. But because my life is in service to my bride, because I want to completely lay down my life every morning that I get up for her, this is such a simple simple thing, right? Such a practical thing. I will do the dishes, not because I just, I, I begrudgingly do it, and now I just hate her for it. No, I'm going to do it because I love her, and I, signed, I have said, I'm going to give my life to you every single day, every morning that I wake up. So I will make the bed. I will uh, do the dishes. And sometimes I'm like, man, I really don't feel like doing this. But I'm like, you know what, no, I will because I love her. You, you're signing up for a lot in marriage. And actually, uh, this isn't one that I can, actually, I don't think anyone in this room can relate to. But um, but when you, when you sign up yourself for um, having a kid, you are signing yourself up for a lot. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen the YouTube video? Uh, Sarah mentioned, she showed it to me today. Uh, the YouTube video of the guy that uh, they, he just had a a, um, a baby. I don't know if he's married or not, but um, so you can see the video of this guy, and he's so exhausted. He's they're they're in the hotel or the hotel room the um, hospital room, and he's like rocking, and you can tell it's like all all swaddled and everything, and he's like. You know, just rocking, and he's like yawning, and like about to fall over, so tired. And he's like doing this, and then the video, and then the the person videotaping it like goes down, and they show that they're the one holding the baby, and they go back to him, and he's just holding like a a, a towel that's rolled up, and he's like thinking he's rocking this baby um, because he's just so stinking exhausted. He um, he is slow, so sleep deprived. He is exhausted. He's worn out that he is still feeling. Like I got. I'm gonna rock this baby because he loves the baby because he has signed up to give everything everything he can for this baby, that his life is now just dedicated to serving this baby, um, even whenever he's so exhausted, to the point of thinking that he's rocking it when he's really just rocking a, a towel that's rolled up. Um, <laughs> I think that's the, that's the same when it comes to our relationship with God. That's the same when it, when it comes to our relationship with God. If you go to this text, Paul says, I am, and it, Christians are, servants to God. There comes a great cost when you become a Christian. And he knew that the Philippians needed to know this, that they needed to hear that's what Christianity costs. Because actually, a fun fact, the, the, the Philippians were actually, uh, they were like serious uh, patriots. I mean, these guys were like diehard Roman um, nationalists to the end, of the, the end of the day. I mean, they just loved, they just loved their nation Rome was the nation that, that Philippi was in, and they just loved Rome. Philippi was actually made up, uh, the, the city of Philippi, that's why he's writing to the Philippians. Um, Philippi was actually made up primarily of uh, veterans, people that were serving Rome as soldiers, and they were, they were uh, retirees, and now they have taken their family and um, created a, a, a family, a life in Philippi. And so Philippi is actually made up, comprised of a lot of... Patriots, people that have lived and served for Rome all their life. Paul, in all of his letters throughout the New Testament, he only uses this as a description to start his letters in two letters. Philippians, made up of a bunch of Roman soldiers that love to serve Rome. Can you guess the second one, the second book? Not Corinthians. Not Galatians. Not Ephesians. You're going to get there. Romans the capital of Rome. The capital of Rome. So Paul, to start all of his letters, only two of them, he starts with Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. And he says that to a bunch of retiree, uh, patriots, and servants of Rome, and to people that live in the capital city of Rome itself. He's talking to a bunch of people that they might say they're Primary servanthood is to Rome, and he wants them to know when you sign up in Christianity, your servanthood is in Christ Jesus. Your love for country is secondary, if not third and fourth, or fifth to Jesus Christ. You are a servant, not to Rome, you are a servant to Jesus Christ, and that is first and foremost. He wanted them to know that. That's what that's what Christianity means. And so it makes me think. How would we answer that? How would we fill in the blank? How would we uh, finish that description of our name? If I were to write this letter and I would say, Isaac Worley, a servant of... Probably something that I'm most passionate about, right? Something that I'm most committed to. Something that I'm I'm very invested in. Something that I would give my life over to, right? Something that I, I probably prioritize over all these other things I would say I'm a servant of that servant of Sarah Worley servant of um, Evangel Temple something that I just love that I give my life to that I spend eight hours a day working towards and and, and investing in and trying to make better I would say I'm a servant of that right so how would you finish that what would you say that you're most committed to what are you most invested in how would you finish that description what do you give your life to what do you care most about how would you fill in that blank? And I think Paul wants us to say, I think earlier, whatever it is, whatever your name is, servant of Christ, Jesus. First and foremost, over everyone that I love, I love Jesus Christ. More than everything that I love, I love Jesus Christ. More than lo- all the things that I do that I love to do, I love Jesus Christ. Christianity comes to cost, and that is making Christ over everything else, even family, that you would love Jesus more than your brothers and sisters, that you would love Jesus more than mom and dad, that you would give your life to Jesus before anybody or anything. Read this even, Matthew chapter 10, and this is Jesus speaking, God himself. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Let me read that again. Let me read it again. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Family doesn't come before Jesus friends don't come before Jesus, your sport doesn't come before Jesus, your hobby doesn't come before Jesus, your best friend doesn't come before Jesus, your schoolwork doesn't come before Jesus, your, your greatest interest doesn't come before Jesus, you are, first and foremost, a servant of Christ Jesus. Christianity comes with a great cost, and that is giving your life over to him who now owns your life, and you are now slave to, you are a servant to Christ Jesus himself. Christianity comes with a great cost. God refuses to, Hear this, hear this, please. Christianity comes with a cost. God refuses to be second place to anything. God is not all right with being loved after being lo- uh, loving somebody else or something else. We not only give him our love first, but we must give him our lives. I mean, that, that, is, that is what call, Paul is calling us to do. Christianity comes with a great cost. But I want to get to the second point, okay? Christianity comes with a great cost, but Paul is also wanting them to know that Christianity comes with great freedom. Christianity comes with great freedom. An incredible gift from God. Comes with Freedom. He doesn't have to give us anything. If he wanted to, he is God. He can demand everything. Think about this. God is God, and if that is true, he can demand everything from us and give us nothing back because he is God. He is God. He is in the rightful place to where he could demand everything and be a slave driver and give nothing back, but he doesn't because he is a loving God. He demands our everything, but he gives us even more. Let me say that again. Please hear that. He demands your everything, but he will give you even more. He'll give you even more. Let me, uh, if you're looking at the text, underline grace and peace from God. Grace and peace from God. So he says, to all the saints uh, in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers overseers and deacons, Grace and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. God gives you grace abundantly, and he gives you peace abundantly. I want you to hear that. Even the best of us suffer suffer, and struggle in this world. If you don't feel like you need grace, if you don't feel like you need peace in your life amongst all the, the anxieties and the stresses and the worries and the weight of this world, if you don't feel like you need divine peace, and divine grace for the faults that you might have, you don't understand the gospel. Because only people that understand their need for the gospel, for the need for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for them, are the ones that are true recipients of what God has for us. You have to understand your need before you would call on God to give you grace. So you have to understand your need for grace and peace in all of us. All of us are truly in need. You and I are in need. You are in need of grace. You are in need of, of peace. Let me give you a free, few uh, real life examples. And this is, this is pretty serious, but uh, um, if you guys remember, maybe you guys have heard about this. I think it was last week, two weeks ago, um, a pastor uh, committed suicide because of the stresses and anxieties of, of his life. And he had a, um, a long history of depression. You guys People heard about this? A few people? Um, And this was actually only one. He was in California um, a few months earlier, another guy in in California that was a pastor. So these are people that preach the word of God, people that communicate the gospel, the hope and the freedom that is found in, in, in Christ Jesus. And these people as well need freedom from anxieties and worries and hurt and pain People that communicate for it their, for their life, they're, they're living as, as an occupation, people that talk about the freedom that's found in Jesus need it. Everybody needs it. Everybody needs grace. Everybody needs peace. We, there is no, nobody that is exempt. I have a great mentor, somebody that I look up to, that lives here in Springfield, and um, I've learned so much from when it comes to the gospel and living for God from this man, and he struggles with depression. And is really, really um, down from it sometimes. about himself, a man that understands so well the love of God still struggles, because all of us need grace, and all of us need peace. No one is exempt. And God is the true source of that freedom that we need. God is the one true source. He gives grace. And in giving the grace, I want you to understand what this means to give the grace for you in your life. What does that mean? This is is freedom from your stains of all the past actions that you've made and all the actions that you will make. He He gives you freedom from the stain of that on your life. He frees you from the guilt and the shame that you might be struggling with, from the regret, from feeling dirty. From all the things that you've done, God frees you from that. An incredible gift. He gives you peace. This is freedom from anxiety, from stresses, from fears, from maybe all the worries you might be struggling with. If you are needing freedom from that, hear me. God gives you the greatest freedom from any stress any anxiety, any fear, any worry, any guilt, any shame, any stain, any action, anything, God says, come to me and I will free you from that, that you won't feel that guilt, that you won't have that shame. I will wipe that out of your life because I love you and I will see you as clean. I will see you as pure. I will see you as perfect. I will see you as beautiful grace and peace flow over you from God. Let me read a few verses, I'm um, going to go quick that communicate the grace that God gives you, the freedom that God gives you. And I just want this to kind of rush over you and just and just think about this and really try to soak in what it actually means for your life. Zephaniah 3:19, he says, "I will save the lame And gather the outcasts. Maybe you're feeling like the outcast. Maybe you're feeling incapable, crippled, lame. Maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, maybe physically. He says, I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And hear this. And I, what will he do with them? I will change their shame into praise and renown. And all the earth. He will flip that shame and give them praise from all people. This is the love of God that he gives to people. Colossians 1:22, he says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, maybe you feel dirty, maybe you feel guilty, maybe you, maybe you just are so aware of all the stains of your actions and all the things that you've done in your life, and he says he has now reconciled you in his body of the flesh by his death. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he take your stained self, your, your guilty self, your shameful, shameful self in order to present you holy, holy and blameless and above reproach before him? It makes you clean no matter what you've done. One last one, just to show God's grace. He says, for I will be merciful, this is Hebrews 8, 12, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities. That is all the mistakes you've made. All the horrible things you may have done, I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. That sounds unbelievable, right? That sounds like there's no way God could forget what I just did. He says, I won't remember it. I will take whatever you did and I will wipe it away. This is the grace of God that, that, that loves you. I mean, uh, even the peace that he gives us, Paul talks about later in Philippians, and we're going to have a whole sermon just on this one text, but <laughs> Philippians 4. So four chapters later, in the same book, and he says, do not be anxious about anything. You might feel anxiety in your life right now. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And get this, and the peace of God, the peace that is only found in God, that only God can give you, which surpasses all understanding, you can't even comprehend the kind of peace that will flow over you. The situation that you might be going through, it, even, it doesn't even sound reasonable to have peace in that storm. And he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. This kind of peace and what you're experiencing is only found in Jesus Christ. Christianity comes with a great cost. He requires your life to be given to him. But man, Christianity comes with an incredible freedom. An incredible freedom. Freedom. So, to start this series, Paul wants the Philippian church, and I thank you, to know before we jump into unity, before we jump into what it means to be saved, before we jump into all those incredible things on that zip line, he wants to just stop and say, Do you know where you're about to jump off this platform? Do you know what this is all going to be about? Do you understand Christianity and what it entails and what it means? Do you understand the cost? You're signing yourself up to be a servant of God. Do you understand the freedom? I want you to know the freedom. Man, I want you to know the freedom that comes with giving your life to Jesus Christ. He says, do you understand those things? God demands your life. He demands my life. And he won't accept this easy believism. You ever heard of that term, easy believism? He won't accept just this person that will say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm actually not going to let that affect how I live. I'll just take the title and call it good. I'll show up to church and call it good. He's like, I don't want those people. I don't, I don't want that. I want your service. I want your love. I want your commitment. I want your life. I want you to say, I'm not going to just attend a church anymore. I'm going to give you my everything. And God says, that's what I want. I want that from you. God demands your life, not just this title of Christianity. He wants your life. and He won't accept anything less, but he offers us what we desperately long for, freedom from the stains of all that you've done and all that you will do. Even though it seems like it can never be true, it is. He offers you freedom from all the baggage that you experience and all the baggage that you carry and all the baggage that you have. That's the gospel, and that is what Paul wants them to know, and that's what Paul wants us to know leading into the book of Philippians. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it takes a great cost, but there is great freedom in it. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.